Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. incredible holiday in Noosa. Thank you very much to the church family for sending us. It's the longest holiday, not just that we've had in the nearly 19 years that we've been running the church, but it's the longest holiday that we've ever had (laughs) when we went away at Christmas. And this holiday that we just went to Noosa, uh, probably the best holiday we've ever had, to be honest with you. Um, We were absolutely spoilt rotten spoilt rotten. We stayed at the Siebel in Noosa. We flew up, stayed at the Siebel in Noosa. It's just the nicest place. Oh my gosh. And then we got upgraded, as you do, as you do when you're a child of God. And then, you know, because they found out it was our 30th wedding anniversary. So we got upgraded from a one-bedroom apartment to another one-bedroom apartment that had like an outdoor sort of area where you could just lay on this big lounge and then it had another private garden with a little table and chairs where you could sit and have brekkie together and it was just a big green tree outside our bedroom window that just like did this in the wind when you, oh, it's just, it was just too perfect and we did everything that we could possibly do as you do when you've got five nights you just throw yourself in. So we went to the beach, we swam, we went in the pool, we were there. Like the pool area, honestly, it had these huge, like big square lounges. Like I've never seen anything. So you could fix six people on the thing, really high up. So you have to kind of climb up onto it. And it was just, you just could just lay out. And then they come around, they say, would you like any cushions, madam, for your head? I just said, I'll have three. I had three, true. And I picked all the bright colored ones, you know, it's like, ah, it was just so glorious. And of course, then you go down and the shops are like, you know, you can't buy anything, it's too expensive. (laughs) But but you just walk around with the rich and famous going like this, you know, pretending that you've got the money to buy something. It was just so amazing. We went to the theatre, we went for walks, we, oh, we did everything that you could do, didn't we? Quite a few coffees, decaf, because both of us have an allergy to caffeine and we go crazy with it, but we had decaf coffees. Breakfast, you know, just the most beautiful breakfast. Um, I put on a kilo, only a kilo, ladies, it's all right, it'll come off in Jesus' name. <laughs> I got thrown in the scales where I went home and went, ah, it's all right. Can I just say... You uh, put on about uh, yeah, three or four, because he went straight from a fast to stuffing his face, and every day he's like, I just want an ice cream, I just want an ice cream. Um, can I just say, uh, for, uh, yeah, can I just say uh, thanks to everyone that yeah. gave into that opportunity uh, to bless us, yes. and, and I was thinking, like, in every day, I just had this glimpse, uh, this thought that, that uh, it was like a, a glimpse of gratitude where I thought, thank you, church, thank you for what you did uh, to make that happen, and I must say thank you to Louise, 
apparently, I didn't know, but Louise behind the scenes made a lot of that happen. And Jilly, uh, my daughter, and, uh, and Andrew made that happen. And, and my daughters, yeah. I'm sure they all had a part to play in it. But thank you for your generosity. Thank you. And uh, it was one of our best uh, little holidays that we had. And Ever. We, it was fantastic. Ever. So, Again, don't let opportunities like that go by because that's, that's going to live with me forever, that, that holiday, and you're part of that. And uh, for everyone that gave to that, and look, if you didn't, just lap it up anyway because you're, you're getting blessed. You're getting blessed, C3. And that's what giving's about. It's being part of something so, so precious of, of blessing someone. But we love to bless God, don't we? And that's why we do give. Awesome giving message, Andrew. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Again, church, thank you so much. We did have such a great time. It was splendid, superb, and uh, fantastic. Bless you. Thank you. (laughs) So in the midst of all the luxury and, you know, all the beautiful food and the beautiful people and all that sort of stuff, it's it's quite easy to just, just relax and relax away from God as well. But we found that in the midst of that, there was still an appetite that we had that was an appetite that was for more than food. It was for more than nice lodgings. It was for more than, you know, fancy dinners or, you know, beach walks. There was a longing still inside of us that we had to fulfill that appetite as well and not just relax away from God but press into God. Because we're, we're talking... This month, and this is the last day of this month that we're speaking about this. By the way, we're having a guest speaker next Sunday morning. Look at Facebook, have a look um, this week, um, and, or check the website, because next Sunday morning we've got a great guest speaker, special surprise guest speaker. He's going to be speaking on the Father Heart of God, just a, a real incredible guy that we met by chance in the foyer, as you do, and he's traveling here from China, an English guy amazing speaker. We looked at his website. We had a look at some of his preaching. We went, oh my gosh, we're actually going to get this guy to come preach in our church. So we said, can you come? He's on holidays. He said, oh, I'll come preach in your church. Great. Okay, you're booked in that Sunday morning. So that's so God, isn't it? It's so God. Um, so this is the last day that we're preaching on Come Up Here. And, you know, we, you've heard a lot of messages about, you know, we need to come up with God, we need to get a better vision, we need to get up on the mountaintops and hear from God, and we need to do these things, and that's great, but then how do we do that? You know, it's good to say, come on, come up, it's great up here where we are, up in the mountains, you know, but how do we do that? You know, I want to show you this screen here that I found. It says, our mind is fed by knowledge, our body is fed by food, Our spirit is fed by communion with God. Pain in the soul is the result of a spirit that is starving. You ever felt that pain? Like I know even while I was away, after the fancy dinners and the beautiful treatment, you know, we would go back to our room and I would just look at Phil and I'd go, I have to go and satisfy that pain in my soul. And I'd go into the bedroom, he'd go out onto the porch, he'd get his word out, I could hear him praying. I'd be in there, I'd have my music in my ears, and I'd just commune with God. Because otherwise, that pain is never satisfied by all that. 
And the pain is like a hole that grows bigger and bigger. It's like a hole, a void in our lives that the longer that we leave it, the longer that we leave our spirit without food, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The longer that we leave that communion with God as something we just do on the side or we'll do it tomorrow or maybe the next day, the further away from God we seem to drift. And, it, and you, get, you get to a point, the longer that you spend out of that communion with God, that it just seems like, God, yeah, I go to church, I do the stuff, but God is very distant from me. Because, it's, because why? Because I've lost my appetite for God. When Phil was fasting recently, and I did fast too, I'm not medically allowed to fast, but I just fasted dinner and didn't eat dinner, but he just does, you know, water, and then he just does juice. And he says, you know, I just have to do water for the first three days, because if I do juice, my body will still have an appetite for the taste of food. So I need to just to kill my body and kill that appetite because my body is used to eating food, therefore my body's going to need food. Amen? The spirit has an appetite too. And if we starve our spirit, if we starve our spirit, we lose our appetite. After 21 days of not eating food, you lose your appetite for food. It's just like you get up in the morning, you don't even think about food. Oh, no, I don't eat food. You know, I just don't do that because I've lost my appetite for food now. My stomach has shrunk and I don't, I don't have that desire, that driving force inside of me. And the same thing happens with your spirit. When you don't have that communion with God, the void inside of you that is normally filled with communion with God, your spirit man becomes starved and your spiritual stomach shrinks to the point where you can't even digest communion with God, and you don't feel as if you even need it anymore. Is that right? You see, here we, we look at this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says here, he has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, just hold it there for a minute. So God has set eternity into the human heart. He's, he's put eternity into your spirit. It's in there. You can't run away from it. You can't hide from it. You can't pretend you don't need it. Eternity is in your spirit. It's in your heart. But then God puts in there as well. He says, I put eternity in your heart, in your spirit. But then he adds a little twist to that and he says, but you're never going to understand it. I've put eternity in your spirit, but you're never going to understand it. Why would God do that? Why would he go put eternity in our spirits and then just add that you're never going to understand it? You'll always be trying to work it out. Because I believe that as human beings, he knows us. And I believe that if he put the human, uh, if he put uh, eternity in our spirit, in our heart, and then he gave us the understanding of what he is and what he does from beginning to end and all that he does in the between, do you know what we would do? We would just get satisfied. We would just get lazy. We would just get know-it-all-y. 
we would just go, you know what? I've got all the food I need to eat. I've got all the money I need. I've got all these luxuries of Western. You know what? You know what? I know it all. So perhaps God can just be tacked onto my life. God purposely put eternity into our hearts and then put a, a little niche in there where we're not, we can't understand it. Why? Because he always wants us to have these two things, a longing and a restlessness. A longing for God and a restlessness in our spirit. You know, you know inside of yourself when the longing inside of you to commune with God is beating like a heartbeat and the restlessness is there because nothing else can satisfy that place that God feels. Nothing can. Nothing can. And so we begin to try and fill that place where we should have communed with God, where that restlessness is, where that longing is. Then we think, okay, if I just, if I just work harder, if I just become more successful in my business, in my workplace, then I would feel that that restlessness would leave me. If I just you know, work on my body hard enough and exercise hard enough and get myself looking smick and lose those kilos I want to lose and really focus on that, then the restlessness inside me would cease. If I just fill myself with the pleasures of life, if I just have that extra glass of wine, I know as Christians we're only supposed to have one, but I'm just, you know, it's okay to have two or three tonight because there's a restlessness in my soul that I need to steady. Don't they say that wine is good for the soul? There's a restlessness I need to steady inside of me. I'm restless. I'm not satisfied. I'm frustrated. As mothers, as parents, we might just say, you know, I'll just put every minute I can into my children. I'm going to read every book I can. I'm going to be the best parent that I could possibly be because this restlessness inside of me. I will feel satisfied when my children, when everybody, when they walk into a room, everybody's just going to say, your kids are model children. And the restlessness will leave me until one of them checks a patty and embarrasses me in public. And I burn all the books. You know, there's so many places where we can put it. There's so many places where we can try and go. We can even do it through love. We can say, you know, if I just found that right person to fall in love with, then the restlessness would leave me. If I just wasn't single anymore, the restlessness would leave me. If my wife would just love me more, if my wife would pay me more attention and have more intimacy with me, then the restlessness would leave me. If my husband occasionally said I looked nice, if my husband came home from work with red roses more often, then the restlessness would leave me. But we know, we all know, from experience, that the restlessness does not leave. Because the longing inside of us is a longing for eternity. It's a longing for something that is not of this world. Amen? St. Augustine says this, Thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. 
in English. You made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Isaiah puts it like this. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which does not satisfy. Hearken hearken diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. You know, Jesus said to the woman at the well, didn't he? If you were to drink of the water that I would give you, you would never thirst again. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You see, there is, and Jesus, when the disciples came back and the woman was at the well and he was speaking to the woman at the well, they're just going like, he hasn't eaten, we're bringing him food. And he turns around and he says, my bread is food that you don't know anything about. My bread is doing the will of the Father. There's a food, there's a source of sustenance that we are missing out on as Christians because we we busy ourselves with the things of this world. We worry ourselves. We get busy and consumed. And we, we feed our bodies. We feed our minds. But we deny our spirits and our spirits are starving and there's a pain inside our soul that can only be filled with God. It can only be filled with God. Have you noticed that that when you start to lose, and we all do it, hello, I'm putting my hand up right now because I'm a doer. Feels feels. It's easier for Phil to have communion with God. Let me tell you, he's a monk. He's a freak show on legs. Not everybody is like him. But he doesn't get anything done. (laughs) He wakes up in the morning. He communes with God. I say, have you done this? Have you done that? I'm communing with God. How dare you interrupt me, woman? And I walk away a sinner that I would dare interrupt the monk. And his mountaintop experience. Because I'm a doer. So I wake up, I'll be awake at six in the morning, and my mind starts. My mind starts to think, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I ring that person? Did I do that? Did I do that? So I keep a diary next to my bed and just write it all down so then I can quieten my mind and spend time with God before I get out of bed, because I know once I get out of bed, I'm such a doer that I'll do, 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 and get to the end of the day and go, ugh, I forgot my spirit. I forgot my, I mean, okay, I'll I'll just watch one movie, and just, I need to relax, I just need to, no, just watch one movie, and then I'll have time with God. And so, you know, you watch the one movie, and then it's like, okay, God, here I come. And, you, you know, I'll just lay in bed and do it then. You know, I'll just read, and you read two lines of a song. It's like, oh, stop it. You know, my spirit is so dry. I've got to press in. And then you say, oh, God, I love you. You know, because those of us that are not monks, 
that are human beings. <laughs> just, we just find it hard to stop and be still and know that he is God. We find it hard to, to schedule that in. But I've found being a doer is that just as I schedule everything else into my day and I organize myself and I like things in order, then I have to schedule my time with God. There's no other way I can do it. I have to schedule time with God. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen for me. I don't know about you. You may be a monk. But it's just not going to happen unless I schedule it in. Unless I say today, this is the time I give to you, Lord. In my day, I look at my diary and I go, wow, this is a huge date. Some of my days start, this is honestly, some of my days start about 8.30 in the morning and they would finish about 10.30 at night. And that's pretty consistently, that's not just phone calls and being nice pastoral. This is like meeting, 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 meeting. And then I have three nights a week out and my days are full. Plus I, Sunday and Saturday is preparation day. So where do I fit God in all that? I'm a mother, grandmother, you know, and then I've got, I've got a big grandma, you know, and Julie will ring up and say, Mom, desperately need you to have the kids today. And it's like, ah, yep, we can do this. But I've learned to say, yeah, I can do that. But at 10 o'clock, I've got my time with God. I can do it at 11. Don't, come be- don't bring the kids before 11. So you've got to prioritize. You've got to make that time. You've got to schedule it in. Amen? You have to schedule it in. Jeremiah says this. He says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Does that say it the same? Yeah. How many times do we just make our own cisterns that hold no water? That we think that we can just get by with a little bit of God and a lot of everything else. And we're drinking water that doesn't sustain us, that doesn't fulfill us, that doesn't get rid of the restlessness. Amen. I just want to read this out to you, what I've written here, because it's pretty powerful. Many of you here this morning are like this. Your soul is hungry and your heart is thirsty. You feel an insatiable longing for something. You are restless. Almost everywhere you turn, the grass is greener than where you stand. And the great tragedy for some of you is that even though this is the Spirit of God beckoning you to himself, you turn away again and again and again to short-term temporary fixes that never fix anything. Amen? We We drink at broken cisterns. And then we eat bread, which does not satisfy. These are the words of C.S. Lewis. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, 
the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You were made for another world. God has set eternity in your heart. And unless you hearken to the eternal part of you, you will shrivel up and you will die. In the days that we're coming into, never before have we needed to be in communion with God more than we do right now. You know, we're talking about this, the, the um, Beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But you know, just after that, he said, blessed are they who are persecuted for my name. The very next thing he says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Very next thing, blessed are they who are persecuted for my name. I was thinking when I was, well, the other day when those 21 beautiful Christian Egyptians were slaughtered for their faith. I don't know if you read any of that or, but you know, I read the story of one boy, one 24-year-old boy who'd gone there to study and to work from a beautiful family with brothers and sisters just like yours. He loved Jesus with all his heart, just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, captured by ISIS, beheaded for his faith. I wonder at that moment how he felt, how, how strong was his faith right at that moment. There have been mothers that have had to watch and tell their children, do not deny Christ and watch their children be slaughtered and the mothers will not deny Christ. I wonder in our Western culture if we ever had to face anything like that, how would we stand up? If our spirits are starving and everything else is full, I was thinking last night, you know, we, we had to fly back. Um, category one cyclone hit us about six in the morning yesterday. It's category five up the coast. And, you know, I mean, category one was pretty bad. I'm six o'clock in the morning. I'm looking out the window. We're going to fly out in a few hours and the trees are doing this, you know. And I'm just, you know, looking. Are, we, are they going to cancel the flights? Virgin cancelled all their flights. Jetstar wouldn't or didn't. I found out later that Jetstar have better navigation systems, but, you know, it just makes you feel a little uneasy, makes you start to think about your eternal self, you know? Then they, then they postpone the flight for like two hours every 15 minutes because they're just going, we're just waiting for a gap in this weather. I'm thinking, that better be a big gap, you know, that better be a big gap. And you know what? Inside of myself, there was a peace in all that. You know, there were people quite scared. There was a pregnant woman that I had to console, you know, was going, you know, why haven't they cancelled the flights? I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I'm, I was nearly said to her, you've got us on the plane with you. You haven't seen the size of our angels, honestly. <laughs> Nothing to worry about here. 
But you know, there was a peace inside of me because I thought to myself, if I meet my maker right now, like Andrew, it's funny you said that this morning because I was thinking that. If I met him right now, how would I be? Well, honest, to be honest with you, I would have said, you know, my spirit is still a little starving, actually. Like, if I was to meet you right now, God, right at this minute, before I've gone home and, you know, gotten back into that place out of this holiday, probably my spirit is a bit starving. I'd probably struggle meeting you right now. Isn't that true? And I know his grace, his grace, his grace, his grace. I mean, he would meet me, he would wrap me up in his arms, he wouldn't give a, you know, he wouldn't give a toss about that. But to me, you know, I had to check my own spirit. Amen? I love those words. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they, this, this, this translation said, they will be satisfied. They will be satisfied. You know, straight after the Sermon on the Mount, where he's, he's talked about this and he's talked about blessed are they who, who are persecuted for my name's sake, he goes on to say, straight after this, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Now, We've got to look at these people. They called him Lord. They obviously used the gift of prophecy. They were casting out demons. They were doing miracles in his name. But he turned them away on the last day, saying he never knew them. You ever thought about that, what that means? Like, Why would he say that? Why would he do that? It was as if he was looking at them as if they were strangers. They were saying, we did this, we did that, we said, but I never knew you, you're strangers to me. You know the the word knew there, I never knew you, is the same word used in Genesis when the word of God speaks about an Adam knew Eve. And Adam knew Eve. I never knew you. And Adam knew Eve. Jesus says, I never knew you. I didn't have an intimate relationship with you. We didn't commune together. You denied me and sought that. I never knew you. They had been religious. They'd gone to church. They'd gotten involved in religious activities. But the passion, the hunger, the thirst of their lives was not in intimate relationship. And therefore, they will not be satisfied neither in this age or in the age to come. Whoa. John Piper says this, deep and lasting satisfaction for our souls comes not from the delights of the world, nor from a merely religious or vertical relationship with God. Satisfaction comes from God to those whose passion in life is to know him in the struggle to be like him in the world. Wow. Thank you, John Piper. You know, how often do you skip a meal in your life? How often do you just say, 
okay, I'm just, I haven't got time to eat today. Just haven't got time. I'm too busy, the kids are at me, the job is pressing on me, I haven't got time to eat. You, you hardly ever do that, do you? You always make time to eat. Why? Because your body is crying out because the appetite that you have built up in your body cries out and says, I have a longing for food. Feed me now. Amen? Can you imagine if you built up an appetite for God that like Smith Wigglesworth, you would be just sitting talking to someone and God would say, come away with me, my love. Come away. She'd go, like, I'm sorry, I just got to go to the bathroom. Some of the best encounters my mother ever had with God was in the bathroom because it was the only way she could get away from six kids. The toilet, I mean, not the bathroom. They always came in the bath. But she would just go, I'm just going to the toilet, six children. And off she would go and she would just commune with God because it was the only place she could get space. Can you imagine if we started to build up an appetite for God? If you started to build the muscle of your spirit, come up here with me. Oh, God, so far up that mountain. Do you know how big that mountain is? You want me to climb that mountain? And I'm so busy trying to do my work, trying to run my home, trying to, you know, look after these kids you've given me and this wife you've given me. And I can't pay the bills and I've got to think about that. And then I only get Saturdays off and then I've got to mow the lawn. And God, where do I fit you in? Can you imagine if we started to build an appetite for God that we're mowing the lawn? We're putting the kids to bed. In Jesus' name, lay hands on your children. You know, you're in the spirit at all times. You're praying in the spirit at all times. You're driving your car to work. How many people have seen people praying in tongues driving? I have. One of my friends, she prays in tongues all the time. And oftentimes, I'll, I don't know why God always shows me. And I'll pull up next to her and she'll be, it's like, there she is again. That's Bev Downs, Jesse. She's always praying in tongues every time I pull up next to her. <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to do that. And then you think, oh, but people think I'm mad. No, you just pretend you're on the phone. Just pretend you're on the phone. <laughs> That's what I do. That's right, yes. No, you just do that, you know, and you look cool at the same time. <laughs> Psalm 84, 2b says, My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's a longing inside you that is just for him. The restlessness can only be stilled by his rest. If we hunger for him more, he will fill us more. He will reveal himself to you more and more and more as you long for him. You will develop an appetite for his presence. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Don't go and have communion with God the very first time and go, oh, that didn't work. It's like a muscle that you have to build. It's like going to the gym once and going, oh, shit, I'm not a size eight yet. Forget it. 
You know, you have to build the muscle of your spirit. You have to build the appetite of your spirit. You have to, and then you know what? You'll start to enjoy it so much that you just want to go back and you want to go, oh, I've got to go spend time with God tonight. Sorry, guys, can't watch that movie. I need to spend time with God because I get so much more out of that. And then tomorrow, my day's just going to go so good. My kids are going to be great. My job is going to be amazing. The bills are going to get paid. Everything's going to, my wife is going to just be amazing to me and cook me a baked dinner after I fast for 21 days and, and a cheesecake. And she's, you know, life is going to be good for me. Things are going to go good. We're going to stop fighting in our home. The kids are going to be less chaotic. I'm going to be able to talk to my husband, to my wife. I'm going to find that person that's going to fall in love with me. And it's going to be all done in the spirit of God because I sought first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Just look at the screen again, that first screen that I put up, and just have a think about that. Our mind, thank you for the worship team, our mind is fed by knowledge, our body is fed by food, our spirit is fed, only fed by communion with God. It's the only way you can feed, it's the only way you can feed your spirit. If you don't commune with God, your spirit inside you will shrivel and die. You will shrivel and die. Your best life will not be recognized. You will live in a restless state. You will live with an aching inside of you. Pain in the soul is the result of a spirit that is starving. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Every eye closed right across the building just as the music lifts up. Thank you, Lord. Can we do that number two song? What was that? Yeah. Why don't you just put your hands like this or like this or like that, whatever you're comfortable with, just as long as you've got a surrender about you. And I'm not going to say put up your hand if this message spoke to you because I know it spoke to all of us and it spoke to me as well because we're all human beings, amen, in this place. And we all struggle with this thing day in and day out, day in and day out. We all struggle with this very topic. So when we say, come up here, look at the mountains the great men of God have climbed. Look at them. They had burning bush experiences. We go, when they climbed the mountain, we go, yeah, but the mountain is so big. And God would just say to you today, just start climbing. One foot after the other. One step at a time. One moment at a time. Schedule it into your life. How am I going to find time with God? How do I work, raise kids, go to church, my commitments at church? How do I do this? Schedule it in. When my kids were little, I used to make date nights with Jesus. Every Tuesday night, I would say to Phil, that's my date night. And I would light candles in my room, put the kids to bed, go up there, and I would just put worship music on, and I would have the whole night with Jesus. That was my date night. Every Tuesday night, kept me alive through all my little kids' age. Yeah, I would have my other times with him, my communion with him, my short times, my 10 minutes here when I could grab it, my 10 minutes there when I could grab it. We've got to make a way. Amen? 
Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning as a community, as a church, as a people, as a people who have eternity in our hearts, as a people who have a longing inside of us, as a people who have a restlessness that you have placed inside of us. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would draw us by your Spirit this week and in the coming weeks, that you would draw us by your Spirit into the intimate communion with your very presence, that we would find you. God, I pray that as people make that time, that you would come. God, that you would come. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.